Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to another edition of the Big D Podcast. Before I introduce today's special guest, please subscribe to the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page where there'll be plenty of curveballs on it, whether it be golf, baseball, NFL, soccer. <laughs> you never know what, what will appear. And now uh, joining us from... Uh, Looks like uh, Edison Ford Estates in uh, Fort Myers is uh, somebody is somebody who could challenge me on uh, any baseball topic. My friend Holly. Hi, Dylan. Hi, Holly. Yeah, Holly is the uh, I don't know what we should call you the unofficial baseball slash spring training expert of Fort Myers. Well, I don't know if I'm that. I think Glenn Miller might be a little uh, better than I am, but I'm very passionate about baseball and I'm very interested in spring training. And I have done a few presentations live and on Zoom about the history of spring training in Fort Myers. So, uh, so uh, how far does your baseball memory go back? My personal memory? Um, when I was a little girl, uh, my dad was a big baseball fan. He died when I was a teenager, but I remember him talking about the Red Sox all the time. My brother, my middle brother, Howie, his middle name is Theodore. He's named after Ted Williams. Uh, so since I can remember, baseball was a part of my life. I kind of watched the World Series after my dad passed away with my brother Harley, hoping that they would win against the big red machine, but that didn't happen. Um, and then I had children and I, I got a little hectic. I was always interested in the Red Sox, but in the early 2000s, my passion reignited. And when I had a chance to move someplace, other than the fact that uh, I wanted to be in the South and my children were here, a chance to be where the Red Sox were in spring training was, it was a home run for me. A proverbial home run in ways than one, almost a grand slam, right? Absolutely. You got it. So uh, thinking about spring training in Fort Myers, uh, when you started walking and watching the games, how, how was spring training viewed here? spring training well it became more and more important when i i came to visit here before i moved here and i went to some spring training games twice and uh it was it's take it was taken very seriously the city of palms park i think had been built in 93 and i was here in 2004 and 2005 to watch some games and i could tell that people really cared about baseball here and people wanted to get tickets and they used to line up on the sidewalks to get them overnight uh, for the Red Sox. But I also know that those Twins fans are pretty passionate as well. And I think it has just grown and grown. And of course, when the World Series was won in 2004, that made uh, Red Sox all the more popular. Yeah, I can, I can attest. Getting swing train tickets here is... Uh... Harder than getting tickets any anywhere because you either you either know somebody who gets you the tickets, or you basically just buy like a whole bunch of tickets. 
If you, if you can, yes, I go in the virtual waiting room and get my tickets that way as well. So uh, I'm just thinking like, what are some, what's the one, what's the, obviously besides the Red Sox, what's the one team that garners the most attention here? Because we've been there enough spring training games. We see which team or team. Oh, which team do I think gets the most, oh, well, of the New York Yankees, of course, because of that rivalry. I think it's kind of going to get reignited again, but back in the day, it was a huge thing and it made people very passionate about baseball. So a lot of people like to get those tickets when the Yankees are here. Of course, what often happens is that they're coming down, you know, from a couple of hours away and they always don't send their first uh, string uh, players. Um, but, you know, it's always worth going because you might see a player that someday might be with your team or that they might be the rock star in baseball. And I always try to treat track of the Red Sox and other teams, players that might become big stars someday just because they're playing, you know, in the lower uh, leagues and they get to come along on spring training games doesn't mean that someday they won't be big stars. And beyond that, I appreciate all those people that play and put their heart and soul because double A, triple A players, they, they don't get the, um, a lot of recognition or a lot of money and particularly single A. It's a hard field, but yes, the Yankees always get the most uh, people here. But a few years ago, we had the Cubs here and that was ginormous for two games. Yeah, I'm trying. That was the year the Cubs started in Miami, and uh, I think I'm, I'm trying to think what year it was either 2017 or. I think you're right. I think it was. Wait, wait, not yeah. The year that the Cubs started in Miami, and then, uh, then came over here, maybe 2018. It could have been 2017. It was a few years ago, but it was pretty exciting for everybody, including me. Yeah, in fact, you see. I mean, the fans, and they were all Cub fans everywhere in Southwest Florida. In fact, they could see their team play. Uh, yes, okay. and I, I want to put a little bit of trivia in here, if I might, when you, when you said that, because uh, the CFO of Edison Ford Winter Estates, his son, Tommy Hottavy Jr., is the pitching coach for the Chicago Cubs. At the time, he was the run prevention coordinator, but I believe this is his third year being the pitching coach for the Cubs. In fact, he and a couple of our wonderful volunteers, Jamie and Jan McGurl and Tom Hottaby, sat with David Ross, who used to be a backup catcher for us and then had been a backup catcher for the Cubs and, of course, now is the manager of the Cubs. So there's some other baseball trivia there. And was I jealous? You bet. <laughs> Grandpa Rossi. Grandpa, Grandpa yes. You, yeah, and how about, how about David Ross's last game in a home run in game seven of the World Series? That was awesome. Yes, that was, a, that was a great time. And in fact, you know, I got to, I've never been to a postseason game. And I flew up to Boston with my son for the first game of the postseason, the division championship against the Yankees, which I thought we were going to lose. But I flew to Boston. We didn't have very good seats, but I went with my son to that game. And, you know, we were on the edge of our seats. And it was probably the baseball thrill of my lifetime. But I have to tell you something. As much as I love Fenway Park, it's extra special to be here, 
at, at, at JetBlue Stadium because it's smaller and it's more intimate and you feel closer to the players, so. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of players, did you have a favorite player growing up? A favorite player growing up? I, pro I mean, he was had been retired by the time I was, uh, you know, old enough to remember, but I always, like Ted Williams, I would follow him because, you know, he managed the Washington Senators, which became the Texas Rangers. But beyond that, probably... Carl Yastrzemski because he followed Ted Williams and he is a great player in his his own right as well. Yeah, go from one legend to another. I mean, yes. Yaz dealt with probably not just pressure being part of the Red Sox lineage of left fielders, but the guy who replaced Ted Williams was going to have an impossible task. But he did a great job. It became his own person. But you're absolutely right. It was a very difficult role for him. Uh, but he, I mean, he's, he's a rock star. And he still, until the pandemic, was coming down and being very uh, unobtrusive. Uh, he didn't want the limelight. And he was just working with some of the very young, new players. I think with working with them on hitting. So did you have a, so do you have a favorite player now? Do I have a favorite player now? Well, my favorite player actually uh, went to the Dodgers. You probably can guess who it was. It, it was Mookie Betts. I, I, I am a passionate baseball fan and I kind of cried. It was very difficult to lose him. Uh, the, the bees that were out in the outfield, also Andrew Penatendi. Uh, one of my other favorites in Jackie Bradley Jr. I loved how they worked together. It was very, um, it was hard to let them all go, but particularly Mookie. But I think Xander Bogarts has played all out with his heart. So I would say right now, he's probably one of my favorite players. And before that, Dustin Pedroia, because talk about, you know, uh, being a dirt dog. Um, I'm sure you remember that term. He he plays, he played all out, and it broke my heart that he couldn't keep on playing. I hope he goes into management sometime because he's a great guy. I mean, Dustin Perdoy played, played the game with his hair on fire. Absolutely, he did. And, you know, over the years, there have been a lot of passionate um, baseball players here in Fort Myers and a lot of teams that played with their whole heart. People don't remember them anymore, but there were some great, amazing players here that didn't get the recognition or the money that they deserve. And of course, the very famous, can I throw in a, throw in a name here about um, who I would, one of the people, if I get to baseball, baseball heaven, one of the people I would like to meet would be the great Connie Mack that played here with his team, the Philadelphia Athletics, because he was an amazing manager. He's won more games than anyone else. He managed for over 50 years, and he owned part of the team, and they were here. They started it all from 1925 to 1936. Yeah, I mean, how many games? How many, I'm trying to think how many games did Connie Mack manage? Oh, oh uh, unbelievable. And if I looked at that, I looked at my notes, I could probably bring the number up, but it is record. Nobody has even approached his record. 
He also lost a lot of games, but realized back then they didn't, he didn't have the kind of money, you know, they don't have like Fenway Sports or any of the other organizations that are diversified and have money coming in from other things, nor did they have the kind of money coming in from people buying tickets, you know, people didn't go online and wait. Um, in fact, the last few years that the, they were here, you know, they, the numbers were dwindling so much, that's one of the reasons that he left. But he did set a record that's never been touched. And of course, Philadelphia Athletics don't exist today. They became Kansas City. And now, of course, you know, they're the Oakland Athletics who are doing pretty well. But I would, I think he deserves great recognition. People don't realize who he is. And um, we have a little display in our museum about the Philadelphia Athletics and Thomas Edison because Thomas Edison was a huge baseball fan uh, and he went to the athletics games. And back then, by the way, baseball fans were called cranks, which thank God we aren't today because <laughs> the name is kind of strange. But Edison would go out to those games and uh, take a few swings at spring training. He even had the team over to his home. And uh, one last bit of trivia, the last couple of years that um, Ty Cobb was actually with the Athletics. Even though he was with the Tigers for all those years, he ended up his career with the Athletics and he met Thomas Edison and was nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ty Cobb was nervous. How could that have been? He was nervous because it was Thomas Edison and Thomas Edison was like a rock star at the time and he had his brother with him and he wanted to introduce him. And actually Ty Cobb pitches to Thomas Edison and, uh, you know, he gently lobs it. You know, he's not standing on pitching, you know, he's not standing on the mound, but yet Edison um, actually makes contact with it and hits Ty Cobb and knocks him down. And, <laughs> you know, and it, it was a kind of a great moment. Yeah, one legend to another. Just one, one's a baseball legend, one's a legend for what he did just scientifically, but here in Southwest Florida. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, Connie Mack actually was a baseball player before he was a uh, manager, but uh, back then when he started out, you used to be able, he was, um, used to be able to call where you wanted the ball to go. And when they got rid of that, his hitting tanked. He was a catcher. So his numbers dropped way down. So his that kind of limited his career. But he, he played for over 10 years. And I kind of got off on a sidelight because I get off onto baseball trivia. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, do you have any baseball trivia that would somewhat challenge me? Would somewhat challenge you? Okay, um, how many years has there been uh, spring training in Fort Myers? I'm trying to think because I think the Twins started in 91. Right, but going back to the beginning with, um, with the Philadelphia Athletics, I'm guessing 78. Boy, you are doing, that is really close because this is what I think. We have, it's been like 96 years since it started, but there's years that we didn't have teams here. So you are like, you know your stuff because it's actually been about, by my adding up the numbers, about 77 years of baseball. 
96 since it started. And how many World Series champions have we had? Oh, gosh. Well, the Twins won two. The Red Sox have won. Uh, well, when they were here. We only count when they're here. Oh, gosh. Well, the Twins this won two, 87 they, and 91, but one happened here. Right. You, but you're good. Very good. And the Red Sox have won four here. Right. Now the question okay. is, who else won one? Who else? Um, you want me to help, or do you want to guess? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I might need your... Uh, well, the Athletics won two World Series when they were here. The Pittsburgh Pirates won a series when they were here. And the Kansas City Royals did as well. And, oh. and in fact, the only team that doesn't win a World Series when they were here, and it was because they didn't stay long enough, was the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, because I think the Indians won the, I'm trying to think the Indians won the East Coast when they won in, what was it, 40, 47, 48? Yes, they did. And they, of course, um, they had the famous Bob Feller, the great pitcher with the great leg move. He was here, uh, but they didn't win the World Series because they're only here in 40, um, 41 and 42, and then they go to Sarasota. But you know what happens for them is that World War II comes, and I don't know if you knew that spring training had to be up in the north, north, and it couldn't be down here, any place warm. You had to stay up north as much as you could. Like Indiana had a lot of teams. Boston actually trained in the Boston area one time at a college and so on. So it really wasn't the Indians' fault because they couldn't go. Um, and actually, I lied. They actually went to Clearwater. They didn't go to Sarasota. But you get the idea. They were only here for two years. Obviously, if they'd been here longer, they would have won. And then we went on to the Pirates, 55 to 68, and they won the World Series in 1960 against the Yankees. And then we've got the Kansas City Royals, who I feel badly for because um, – they're here from 69 to 87, and they wanted to stay, but Terry Park was kind of falling apart. It really needed to be redone. They needed a whole new stadium. They wanted it, and yet no one would build it for them. And then basically what happens is they sit, and they go to what's Baseball World near Haines City. There's an amusement park there. They stayed up there for a while, but in 91, we build something for the Twins, but they wouldn't build it for the Royals. Yeah, and now these swing training complexes are enormous. They're not just stadiums, but you can have like extra teams there and all these high school events. Exactly. In fact, um, Terry Park, which is the original park that the athletics was, it's still used today by Roy Hobbs. Um, I have some co-workers that play on a vintage baseball team here called the Vagabonds, um, which is really interesting. And they, they play uh, like Civil War era baseball, which is kind of fun. But there's all kinds of things that take out a place at Terry Park. Uh, sadly, City of Palms, when the Red Sox left that, there's not. I, I think that uh, what was Edison College, Florida Southwestern uses it. But other than that, it doesn't get a lot of use, which is a shame because I really like that baseball park. 
but it didn't have parking and it didn't have the amenities where the players could, uh, the practice fields were so far away. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. You, you remember. City of Palms wasn't that bad for me because you, you could get there pretty quickly, but... Um, me too, right out the back of Edison Ford Winter Estates. It was very close, but Jeff Blue's great stadium too. Yeah, now just living in a sterile, Jeff Blue's a straight shot down Twin Line, you're there, and you're there in 20 minutes. So now I've got a trivia question for you, and it's a Southwest Florida driven. Do you know the Tampa Bay race catcher, Mike Sinino? Um, I really don't. Well, he's a well, he went to South to a high school in Southwest Florida. Which one? Oh boy, I mean, I know who he is, but I mean, I really don't know a lot about him. So, he went to a high school in Southwest Florida. Oh boy, hmm. oh boy, let's see, South Fort Myers. No. Fort Myers. No. I'm, Go west. Go west. Hmm. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you tell me. Did he where did he go? Mariner. He went to Mariner. Wow. I did I you know what? I had heard that once, completely forgot you stumped me. You are excellent at current baseball trivia way ahead of me as far as the players you got me on that one for sure i do know we've had some great local uh player players that came from here uh, from southwest florida and we have a lot of them that still live here can i throw in a little thing for a couple of my favorites yep. uh dwight evans who should be in the baseball hall of fame was part of the year down here and Louis Tiant, who's an amazing, friendly guy. You probably met him at some of the uh, spring training things. Also lives down here. There's a lot of people that do. So we're very fortunate. And I hope we have a lot more up-and-coming players because it's kind of nice to have that recognition. And I won't forget about the Tampa Rays now. <laughs> Though I have a hard time rooting for them. Even I will if... They're not playing the Red Sox, but you know, I have to root for my Red Sox always. They're number one. Yeah, so uh, did it feel weird seeing Spring Train with like 25% crowds this year? Yes, but you know, I, oh, it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. Um, to, to, I, it was sad to me, but I was thankful that they had it. Last year in Spring Training, before it closed down, I usually get the later games. But I had gotten one, and I got to go with my son, who is carrying on the family tradition of being a passionate Red Sox fan. But I was very fortunate that one of uh, my friends has season tickets, and she was able to get my husband and I tickets to two games. So we got to two, go to two games. Um, and it was supposed to be like 24%, but it felt like it was even less. So, yes, it was very strange. I missed, you know, the whole atmosphere but i have to say that the people that were there they were really passionate don't you think in a way some of them will but be honest the strangest part was when was when i i actually walked the video board at jet blue for swing training yes i knew During that for the swing training 
was putting up the hands-touching hands of Sweet Caroline, and I'm like, we can't do this anymore. Uh, absolutely not, because we have to be socially distant. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I was very thankful. I think the Red Sox took tremendous precautions. We were in a pandemic, so that needed to happen. But yes, it did feel, all, all that felt strange. But I, I feel like most of the fans that were there were passionate about being there in the game. That's, that's one of my things with we're at a game. We've got to be passionate and focused on the game. Um, though I know it can be very social, I enjoy really focusing on the game and what happens. So it was, I was thrilled to be there. And I hope soon I get to go fly back up to Boston. I've done that a couple of times just to go to games with my son, maybe for a night or two, uh, go to a game and have a great time. Well, good news here because the Red Sox will have full tent and full capacity. I, I heard that and hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully I'll get to do that. And can I make a re recommendation for your uh, viewers? Um, not only is it great to go to a game, but if you ever get a chance, besides coming, of course, to Edison Ford Winter Estates, and I'd be happy to talk to you about baseball and see our little exhibit, and we might have something bigger coming in a year or so, so stay tuned. But if you get a chance, go to the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's amazing. I would, I would recommend going to Cooperstown myself. That's a, that's a bucket list item for any baseball nut. Absolutely. And I got to go again a couple of years ago with my son. And it was fun because the, the Red Sox were displayed because they were the World Series winners. Plus, there's so many other things. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Can you could you even spend just one day at the Hall of Fame? I think you've got to make it like multiple days. Oh, we went we were there oh, maybe like seven hours and then came back the next morning. And then unfortunately had to leave. But I could easily have spent three or four days there. So make sure to go if you get a chance. Yeah. So thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, hopping on the uh, podcast, Holly. And uh, hopefully uh, this season goes well without any more, without any problems. And maybe the Red Sox will make another deep run in October. Oh, I sure hope so. I, I love baseball. I, I care about all the teams, you know, even the rivals. Mostly I do, but the Red Sox, they have to win, right? Of course. <laughs> of course. Thanks, Dylan.